a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Girl, everyone knows that story. Hello, and welcome to the Women of Star Wars podcast, the Star Wars fan cast where we take a deep dive and feminist look at the female characters, contributors, and creators of the Star Wars universe. I'm your host, Sarah Sindula. All right, we're back again to the Women of Star Wars podcast. I am your host, Sarah Sindula. I'm joined again by the fabulous Dr. Q to debrief this week's episode. Welcome back, Amanda. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> I always get so giddy when you're here. Um, so this week's episode was called Shadow Warrior, mm-hmm. and it was written and directed by Dave Filoni. Uh, for folks who don't know who Dave Filoni is, he is the person responsible for the creation of the Ahsoka show. He also worked with Lucas to create the Ahsoka character. He was a central figure in the development of the Clone Wars animation series, the Star Wars Rebels series, as well as the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. He's been involved in many Star Wars projects. He got his start as an animator on Avatar, The Last Airbender. Um, And yeah, now we have him in the Star Wars universe. Fans really like him. I really like his work. But we're not here to talk about Dave. We're here to talk about this amazing episode that as soon as I heard that it was going to be shown on the big screen in movie theaters... Which, by the way, if you manage to go, I have major nerd yeah. envy. If anyone managed, anyone listening managed to go see that, what? I knew that it was going to be a yeah. gorgeous episode, and it did not yeah. disappoint. <clears throat> so, let's get right into it. Amanda, what did you think? Okay, so first of all, Sabine was not in this episode, so she wasn't there to annoy you. So I'm excited to hear about how much you really enjoyed this I episode. Did. The Sabine-free episode. Well, no, I, I'm going to give her a shot, of course. I enjoyed it at the time. I, uh, The journey of it was incredible. There was a lot of hero's journeys, very <clears throat> Joseph Campbell-esque. So, and I have to say, I have to, I stand corrected. I reference, I say that the, the world between worlds is referential to soul, but I am mistaken because in Rebels... The World Between Worlds came out before Soul. Soul, the Pixar movie, it came out in 2020. So actually, The Great Beyond is referential to The World Between Worlds. So it was the other way. Well, thank you. I didn't think about that when you mentioned it. But you you knew what you knew at the mm-hmm. time. Um, okay, anyways. So <clears throat> we go into this gorgeous, gorgeous opening shot flying over the Arendelle Forest. Picturesque. And then Cetos. Mm-hmm. And we see Hera exiting mm-hmm. the ship at the Dathomir uh, Night Sister stronghold. So she comes out of the ship and she's holding her gun. Now, as someone who's had weapons training, Amanda, was she holding her gun in like the best way? I didn't. Exiting a ship while looking for I danger? I didn't actually pay attention to how she's holding the gun. The correct way would be, well, I mean, <laughs> if, it dep- if she's going out there at the ready or, you know, with her gun pointed, the correct way would be, you know, the finger would be off the trigger and pointed straight. I was just wondering, is it because usually in TV, I always see it with like two hands mm-hmm. and she was holding it with one. Uh, so I was just curious. Maybe it's a dramatic mm-hmm, choice. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
<clears throat> so she comes off the ship and then she finds Hu Yang having this moment, standing on the cliffs, holding Sabine's helmet. They never listen. And they never listen. I told them to stay together. I don't think he... And oh my God, he was so he sad. Didn't, it didn't feel like it was a just they. It felt like a collective they. Like of all the Jedi, he's made you lost. You know, like they never listen. I mean, that was, he just looked really sad and affected by it. He's an android. Yeah, I've never seen an emotion. I, at least I can't think of seeing an emotion like that on a droid in the Star Wars universe. The closest we get is when R2 goes comatose after Luke goes missing. Mm -hmm. But I don't think we've ever like seen that mm -hmm. before. And he was, he was really, he was genuinely sad. It made yeah. me sad. Yeah. But that it didn't feel like it and was just about there. Ahsoka and Sabine not listening. It felt like he's felt like he's lost a lot of Jedi. Would that be true? Yeah, it must be. I mean, he said he had trained Jedi for mm -hmm. he said something like a mm -hmm. thousand years yeah. or something like that. He'd been building yeah. lightsabers with them for and a very long time. And also the, the way that he answered the questions about Anakin being very deliberate in his word choice of choosing to describe him as intense. That's later. No, that's but, it's um, actually good, a that good segue cool. into the next bit of the world between worlds. Take us away to the world between worlds, Dr. So that was Q. the intro. We see Shadow Warrior, and <clears> then we're in the world between worlds where Ahsoka's with uh, Anakin to finish her training. Yes. And um, I think I talked about last episode about her temptation into the dark side and her needing to resist that because Anakin's fighting style mm -hmm. relies more on strength mm -hmm. and you can see it in the way that he strikes, mm -hmm. um, which is a little different than the lightsaber style that we saw in the Obi-Wan series mm -hmm. in, that, in the flashback there. Mm -hmm. um, and then he... He takes her through a journey, and Amanda, you've studied quite more extensively than I have the Joseph Campbell uh, hero's journey, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on these sequences and flashbacks. For Ahsoka? Yeah. So when like Anakin comes out and he cuts the the foot the footpath or whatever that she's on, and she falls mm -hmm. down, and she has that flashback into the Clone oh, Wars. Oh, and she transforms into her younger self. Yes. That's the little girl. That's the actress. She was in Barbie. Yeah, she and she was also everywhere. in Guardians yeah, of the Galaxy. Yeah, young Gamora. She's fantastic. I remember seeing her, and I was like, "Where do I know her That's from? Right like, she looks so yeah. familiar." She was. I didn't take a lot of notes in these parts because I was really paying attention, and so I had to go back and rewatch it to see what you know. Oh, I didn't write anything down. I was just watching what was happening. You know. It was incredibly riveting. I had to rewatch okay. it three times in order to get just a couple pages of notes because it was there. It was just so stunning and gripping. And so they're fighting, and so, the okay. lightsabers, the noise so of the fighting. lightsabers, can be heard. Yes, by Jason. And I want to go back to something you had said in an earlier mm -hmm. episode, Amanda, that where you said that Jason saying, "Oh, I've had a bad feeling about mm -hmm. this." Um, I interpreted it as like Hera kind of, I was wondering, does Hera know? Does has she talk to mm -hmm. him about his abilities or his dad or anything mm -hmm. like that? And you were like, no, the way that it happened, like it didn't, it didn't seem like it was his first time saying something like that. And I believe that that is true after seeing this episode and seeing how Jason, because he does hear the lightsabers and you can tell that he doesn't make requests of his mother's attention very often. Mm -hmm. 
by Hera, how Hera responds and how he can get Hera to hear it as well. It was incredible. And you also see like the relationship between Jason and Hera as being one of a lot of respect and a lot of trust, especially when he comes out of the the ship and he, she gives him hand signals to hide behind Chopper. Mm -hmm. Um, That was a really incredible scene. I thought it was beautiful. I love that they could hear it. Um, And then Carson comes out and she immediately, it, her hearing the sabers gives her the belief to continue the search, which is hard. So this, this episode, it was really fun for me to watch and kind of like took me back in time because back in the day when I was a rescue swimmer and some of the stuff and the terms and what they're doing is going out on search missions, that is hard. And the likeliness that they would find someone who disappeared and continue to look like that is just look at all that space. I mean, where do you go? It's a search pattern and over and over and she's under the water. I was searching rescue and helicopter. So you would see them flying really low and then the, the rotor wash coming up from the ship hitting the water. But I thought that that part was, I got a lot of Navy vibes coming from this episode. I did think about you. Yeah. Especially later when there's the rescue, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and I, I was I was really excited to have you come on the episode and talk about your experiences as search and rescue because I was watching this and I was, I was thinking, I was like, would I have the patience for this? I wouldn't even know how to do this. And I understand people get trained, but it's also just a really, the fact that there has to be a certain amount of tenacity involved. A lot of people coordination. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in the helicopter, you have the two pilots yeah. in the front and the two in the back and you're just looking around and you have to do, there's also a pattern that they fly to look and that just, that just, I mean, it takes forever, you know, when you see just, just one. Yeah. I've only been part of search and rescue once and it was because I went out on a hike with someone and we started too late and we got stuck in the dark. We lost the trail. So we had to use what little phone power I had left to call. He called 911. He's like, you should call 911. I'm like, you call 911. I'm not going to be that city girl who came out here and got stuck. Like I was such a stubborn asshole about it, but I was not equipped to spend the night. And so he called and they came and got us out. And turns out we were not that far from the end of the trail, but the the trail had gotten washed out by a a Mm -hmm. creek that was now Mm -hmm. dry. And we couldn't find it on the other side of the dry creek bed. So yeah, that's my only experience with search and rescue. And they were like, next time you go hiking, make sure you check the time that sun sets. And I was like, sorry, I didn't think to ever do that in my life. I've always, I've always gone with people who knew what they were doing. And that time I was with someone, we had no idea what we were doing. Anyways. The the (laughs) navigation of search and rescue is certainly a different is, de- is definitely hard and I would get lost. So that was never my responsibility in search and rescue. I'd never had to know. What was your responsibility in search and rescue? Like what were some of the responsibilities You'd you had? You'd be in the back of the helicopter in your wetsuit and just, you would be looking out of your side. Um, and then, you know, there's responsibilities when you do see the survivor and radios and just communication to your different, to the pilots. And uh, yeah. That's yeah. cool. Did you have a favorite like position or station? No, you know, when you fly search and rescue in the Navy as a rescue swimmer, you kind of, it's more senior to not fly as the rescue swimmer, to fly as the crew chief, because then you don't have to fly in a wetsuit. You can just wear a flight suit, which is much more comfortable in, you know, 100 degree Persian Gulf over the water there. I mean, it is so hot Mm -hmm. when you're flying in a wetsuit appropriate for the water temperature, which doesn't always make sense with the air temperature. I mean, it does, but it makes it really hot 
And especially with all the light reflecting up off the water, assuming it's during the daytime. Yeah, it can be uncomfortable. Yeah. But, you know, it it was a lot of fun. I was really young when I did it. I can't. That, that's a, that's young a young person's, person's game. game. And speaking of young anyway, people, we have a younger in the Clone Wars flashback, Ahsoka is only 14 years old. She had been on the temple at Coruscant for about 11 years at this point, and then she was plucked by Master Yoda to be Anakin's Padawan. Um, so it was one of the first missions that they had. She was very, very young. And the message that I kind of got in this scene and that I s- sort of felt was the overall arching theme of what her final lesson mm-hmm. was, was to forgive herself and learn from the mistakes of her mm-hmm. past. And there was something, and I tried to find the quote and I couldn't find it, but I remember in the Star Wars Rebels series, Kanan at some point, I'm pretty sure he said something to Sabine about you can't lean into your force sensitivity or being a Jedi if you can't let go of your past. And so uh, taking that information that I have and thinking about sort of the the different places that he takes her and then in the final end, having her make the choice to live or die, I think the whole purpose was to have her let go of her past and forgive herself and learn from her mistakes. And by doing so, then she become, she goes from being a practitioner of the force to being reborn and more of a master. Similar how Gandalf, you know, you mentioned, you texted me, you're like, I was like, oh my gosh, did you see her yeah. white outfit? And you were like, just like yeah. Gandalf. And when Gandalf returns, he is the white wizard and he is more powerful. And we see Ahsoka being more powerful. Oh, the ending vibes of this episode. <laughs> In that white robe, in the belly of the whale. It was so Campbell-esque. So this Let's was the cool see. scene. This was when Ahsoka, the younger Ahsoka, see, was, was, sees Anakin and he's walking away. And we see the him shown from the back in the shadow of Darth Vader for yes. just a second. And then it's back we to see. him and then we see it again. And I, I was just like, what is this? Yeah. And I had to wonder if that was one of the first moments. Actually, no, now that I'm saying this out loud, because in the moment I thought something different, but now that I'm thinking about it again, I'm wondering if she's watching him walk away knowing that that is his fate his ultimate fate because one of the things Azoka has always struggled with is her she feels like she abandoned Anakin and she let him down and that helped turn him to the dark side she's she's had some guilt around that for many years and so I have to wonder if that's a moment of she also has to forgive herself and understand that Anakin was on his own path he was on his own path long before she came along and long after he she left and it's the choices that he made that led him to that moment, to led him to becoming Darth Vader. Ultimately, she couldn't have saved him. And I think in the because the next scene is her ha- discussing her remorse about the orders that she gave that led to a lot of clone trooper deaths. And that's also a thing of we make these choices and we have to forgive ourselves for these choices that we make. Even she said it in an earlier episode, sometimes the right choices have the wrong consequence. She's giving that advice to Sabine, but not taking it herself. Like a good friend should. I'm not using this advice. Here, you take it. (laughs) In that timeline, though, when she sees him at this moment where she's 14 and he walks away and we see him flash in, where are we at in him? Has Mm -hmm. he killed the sand people yet? Like, where where is he? No. when he killed the sand people is that when he sort of becomes vader but where is that in the timeline i don't know i that could go down well i think one of the things that we see in the clone Wars series that i'll just touch mm-hmm. on real quick is that it wasn't any one singular event mm-hmm. 
that brought the Sith out of Anakin. It was a lot of different events at different places in time. There was a lot of fracturing and a lot of cognitive dissonance that we see mm-hmm. between him and his role of the Jedi and his feelings and trying to reconcile all that pain. And the Clone Wars TV series happens before the Clone Wars film. So it, this mm-hmm. is all before he kills the same okay. people. That's just kind of how I see it is that there was a lot of different – there were a lot of different points at which his faith in the Jedi became fractured. Hey there, friends. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. I hope that you're enjoying it so far. Be sure to give us a follow and like on Instagram at womenofstarwarspodcast.com. Want to get Star Wars books, movies, and other media for free? Support your local library where you can check out Star Wars media as well as use their free Wi-Fi to browse Wikipedia, StarWars.com, or the Women of Star Wars Instagram page. Not near a local branch or just too busy to go in? With most libraries, you can digitally sign up for a library card and gain access to their entire catalog. You can also download Hoopla. Hoopla is the leading all-in-one digital library app with more than 1 million titles from best-selling novels, chart-topping albums, and blockbuster movies to niche, hard-to-find content. Hoopla has something for everyone. Read, listen, and watch 24-7 without ads or late fees for free. Available in Google Play or the App Store. And now, back to the show. Okay, so then after so that... We'll see, yeah, she walks away and then we're back with... And then we're at the Siege of Mandalore. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then it gets brutal. That's when it, the fighting seems pretty, pretty aggressive. But that's when, you know, they fight yes. him and he says, you're a warrior now. It's a warrior in the shadows, perhaps? I don't know. Maybe that's where the title comes from. But sorry, what were you going to say, Sarah? Oh, no, that's a really good thought. Because um, I also wrote that down. You're a warrior now. <laughs> and that made sense to me because at this point, the Siege of Mandalore... Ahsoka has walked away from the Jedi Order and has gone into hiding, but came out of hiding when Lady Bo-Katan reached out to Ahsoka for help because Darth Maul had taken over Mandalore. As I'm saying that, I'm wondering, is it you're a warrior now and is a warrior kind of removing someone from the collective? I mean, she killed three men. I just thought it was very, I thought it was very aggressive. I thought, she, I, I wrote, she crosses a threshold. That was, you know, the Campbell-esque moment right there was killing three Mandalorians and then she became a warrior. And that's when she sort of wakes up in the world between worlds and melts into, not the water, but sort of sinks into it. And then she's into the water. She's in back into the subconscious. Well, she does have one more um, battle against Anakin after she comes back to the world between mm-hmm. worlds. So I'm curious, when crossing the threshold in Campbell speak, it, what does that look like? Does that, because Anakin says back to the beginning, and does crossing the threshold return you to a certain point of time? Or does it, where does it fall on the hero's that's journey? That's where when she comes out of it, you know, she's in the white. You know, she's gone and faced the, the Balrog and, you know, she's come back more powerful. Oh, okay. So that's what that means. That's what I mean. Okay. Thanks. I think. I don't know. I don't know. I took a class on Joseph Campbell, two classes on him um, in undergrad, but they weren't, they were like at my, my community well, college. Really and one of them was. That's really cool <laughs> that they taught well, it. 
One was we examined the hero's journey in The Lord of the Rings because the films were out at the time. And then before that, I heard about Joseph Campbell and his work in a mythology class Uh that I took. Um, And I remember watching the hero's journey and that was like over – that was – that was like 25 years ago. That was a really long time ago. (laughs) So I – but I know that when you and I first met, it was something that you – had read about and we're like exploring more recently mm-hmm. and you also have a phd so i think that you have quite a few qualifications to talk about this. so uh, no. i'm leaving it joseph, to you to educate no McKay. i haven't never i've never taken a formal class on joseph campbell i just read about it i love star wars i love mythology i like to read a lot uh, my phd is in nursing so i know a lot about healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> and how to do research, how to do research. Like, that's most of what writing theses and dissertations is is like writing the research so she comes up out of the siege of mandalore back to the world between worlds and then she goes toe to toe with anakin and that's the second time we see him as vader and we see him bring out his sith lightsaber and then she defeats him in that mm-hmm. moment and gives gives him the redemption that she had always wanted to give him i think I don't know, by saying, like, I choose to live because there's that moment where she has his saber and it comes up to her eyes. And for a moment, they flash red like she's being tempted. And then she lowers it and says, I choose to live. And it extinguishes. This is where he looks really. Yeah. And like that gray face. And he's just terrifying. Um, Yeah. And then it with her words, she extinguishes that. And then you see Anakin his human face and he says oh there's hope for you yet and then the water comes up around her she gets devoured by the subconscious and returns to the land of the living where she's underwater which that just scares me you would never be able to find someone like that that would be so difficult no and i don't even know how she survived yeah. you know when I, when you were going to say people would the longest people would survive in a water situation like that there it's like a, it has to be a certain cool temperature i don't know what it is i can't remember. i also wondered that i was like what did the togruta have that allows them to survive underwater with certain temperatures suspended animation i don't know it was very weird that she was under the water but it was so amazingly cool when they found her because they did all the right moves well, right because i remember yeah, because so a night me- so a night rescue or so the 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 rescue swimmer came down on a hoist so they were attached to a wire and so normally you wouldn't jump out on a hoist you would just be lowered at night at 60 feet right and so she kind of you can't really tell if she's jumping in or if she's just being lowered kind of fast and then you know because you hit the water and then it slows down because the movement in water there's that resistance but yeah she gets her and then she pulls her into a carry a cross chest carry and brings her up um, so Ahsoka got rescued by a rescue swimmer. It just made my freaking day. I was so excited to see that. So yeah, when I saw that, I immediately thought of you. I was like, oh, I had other friends it. text me and they were like, Ahsoka got rescued by Amanda. I was like, Whoa! I love it. Yeah. And the, the cross, the cross body, is that what that's cross called? When, like carry. you turn the person mm-hmm. away from you. Cross chest carry. Thank you. I remember you saying like that's always the proper way to like help somebody who is in the water. They're not gonna fight you 
and you're going to put their your hip underneath their lower back and you use your legs to kick and you're moving through the water that way. But you would also need to have fins on. So there were some technical things that were wrong with that, um, but that was the current carry. I was really excited to see it. It was really cool. I was like, this should be a commercial for the Navy. This is amazing what's happening right yeah. now. <laughs> Filoni, get on that. Um, so, yes, then she comes back and it looks as though she was rescued with at least one saber. I was trying to get a saber count on that, which made me happy because then I was like, oh, good. She's still going to have a saber when she goes wherever she's going. She was so beautiful when she woke up in her bed it was the most vulnerable we'd ever seen her um she didn't have any of her armor on she didn't even have her headband on that was she was i just thought she was she looked freaking gorgeous she was laying that the rack so you would call a bed in a ship a rack that's the naval term for it Mm -hmm. and it's about that size like it's they, they call them coffin racks because you sleep you just have this little small area and then you lift it up and that's where all your stuff is, you know, the compartments are to put your belongings, but you don't have a lot of space. And she, that was pretty accurate of how much size you'd have on a ship to sleep in. So it was really cool to see. Wow. Yeah. yeah even the, even the, the height above her, how much space she had, you know, and it was actually pretty generous. Usually on a ship, like I was on an aircraft carrier, you wouldn't be able to sit up you would hit your head unless you were on the very top rack and then you might hit your head on bars or pipes or something. Neither of those sound <laughs> pleasant. <laughs> like, you know, bars or pipes or something. Mm, no, still not fun. Mm-hmm. And how many is, I think I've only been on one aircraft carrier mm-hmm. and I think like they had racks that were yeah. three deep. Okay. Is that kind of yeah, standard? That's pretty normal. I think the officer mm-hmm. racks would have two deep. I was enlisted at that. Time. Yeah, I saw the officer rooms. I saw the regular, and then also the um the captain's quarters. So her rack would look more like an officer's rack, which makes sense okay, because that that's a small sense, ship, so they have just a small crew, which would be mostly officers. Yeah, because even the training floor doubles as the the table, the dining yeah. table, because it rises which up and out of the floor, about, which is they're walking on where they eat but at the same time i love that <laughs> space like i love places where mm-hmm. like murphy beds every time i go anywhere and there's a murphy bed i get so excited because i just love it when i first moved to san francisco i had a no murphy way. bed i freaking love that's the that. coolest yes. thing it's so for... space efficient and then it like tucks away so and it looks like at the bottom could be a couch or it could be a bookshelf by day boom at night you have a bed yep. you know, i'm from louisiana you don't see murphy beds there I think the first time I ever saw a Murphy bed in TV was in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I was about Rabbit. to mention that. Oh, that was probably the first time too. <laughs> I, I was rewatching that such recently. I was like, God, movie. I love it this holds movie. up. I love Bob Hoskins. It's such it a really does. And I remember when they used and to have all I, that Roger Rabbit at Disney, and then that contract ended, and then he disappeared. And now Toonville is kind of weird. Yeah. I liked Toontown. I do miss Toontown. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so the bed. Yeah, the the bed was very ship vibe. There was a lot of, this episode very much made me feel like I was 25 again. Like the whole military ship, rescue swimmer, uh, the the weapons, the fighting. I I really love it. It was really fun. I thought it was an incredibly beautiful, beautiful episode. Beautiful with the light hitting her. And we see this. Not oh, like yes. super transformed, like a girl that she looks like. I mean, like a 
pretty girl. Like if you took your glasses off, like, wow, it's a whole new person, Sarah. You, you transformed. <laughs> she didn't have that. Was it she's all that right. moment that. of like take she's off those that. glasses and put on the dress? That, like I just became a shadow warrior. Look, check out my white. You know, and they make it super mm-hmm. obvious to show you that she's changed somehow. Um, yeah, and even in the transition of she comes out with the white shawl over her dark clothes, and she sees Jason and Hera, the, and the way she greets him with such tenderness. Oh my god! The way that they like connect was so beautiful. My heart just like burst during that mm-hmm. moment. I. Um, who were you fighting with? And then when she, yeah, who were you fighting with? Yeah, and she doesn't and answer. She's kind of like you heard, and, and I like the adult move of Hera knowing we don't really need to talk about who she was fighting. I have to ask for um, Sabine and distracting yeah, him. She just, yeah, like and being like, let's distract you with go inside the Jedi starship, yeah. which was cool. Um, but yeah, and then asking like, where's Sabine? Because also understanding time is of the mm-hmm. essence and Ahsoka appreciates mm-hmm. that. And then she walks through the stronghold with the map and the is map. Re- recalling the impression that Sabine made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The memory and, that Sabine and it made. It didn't make an imprint on her hand. And like I thought when when I said that in the early, an earlier episode, in the Indiana Jones moment, she grabs it. I thought, oh, maybe it'll burn and mm-hmm. on her hand like some sort of thing. And, and it wasn't. It didn't. So I don't know what the meaning of that was. I just wanted to finish up with that um i was also wondering because they pick up both sides of the map and hu yang says oh it's beyond repair and i said "Mm, it might be beyond repair for you hu Mm -hmm. yang but sabine has skills that hu yang doesn't have so i'm wondering if after we rescue sabine we're going to use the map to get back or whatever or maybe it is completely broken and we just need to accept Mm -hmm. that (laughs) um and then ahsoka sees the purgle flying in the sky beautiful that was so cool. And I knew that was going to happen, but <laughs> this is the hero's journey. I yeah, you called it. At some point, we're going to have to see them go into the belly of the well. And what does that mean? And they they literally do it. It was very cool. Um, the fleet's there. We see the fleet on the outside, and they're telling them, you know, what are you doing here? Uh, they're in the way. And I just can we just yeah. pause and give love to like Captain Carson, Pilot Carson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who, he and Harrow work so well uh-huh. together, and he's like, okay, but you're not going to believe yeah. me. And when Hu Yang tells him, he's like, Jason has abilities. His father was the Jedi Kane and Jarrus, and Carson's just like, okay, like, man, sure. I, I, it's not. I don't like, know. That's some Jedi shit I don't understand, so I'm just going to get that out of the really way. funny. Like, Thank you, Carson. I love that, that Carson added that. So I love that you pointed that out. <laughs> Oh, thanks. Yeah, I also really like how we're seeing more about the military. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I like that I'm seeing that in a, in a way that I'm able to recognize. Mm-hmm. So, Okay, and then so Soka sees the Purgle, and... They have a plan that Hera does not like. What makes you say that? Well, doesn't they say, doesn't one of them say you're not going to like it? I don't like the plan. Oh, I think what you might be thinking about is when Mon Mothma says you need, you and Ahsoka need to come back right Mm -hmm. away. And Hera says, I don't think Ahsoka is going to agree to that. And then she pauses and she says, I don't think I agree with that. she does say that. Is that? Okay. Yeah. So that was about like, you need to get your Mm -hmm. ass back here because you're being essentially being court-martialed. Yeah, but I thought, and then, and then, and then Ahsoka, um, 
Hera says to Ahsoka, she doesn't like, I thought there was a moment between them where she's like, I don't like the plan of, of Ahsoka going into the well for, to, to hitch a ride. That was like right at the she end. She might have, I might, I just might not remember it. They believe Sabine's alive and this is the best way. And they don't know where they're yes. going. They don't know where Ahsoka's going to end up. No. Which is always very but exciting. It's like the happiest you see Ahsoka ever. Just this big grin yes. smile well let's see it's the it's the end of the second yep. act right it's it has to end with a certain kind exactly. of hope and like we're not really sure what's gonna happen yes. but we are moving act forward two. and yeah and then off they go Hera's like jason's too young to travel between galaxies which i'm like when have people been traveling between galaxies why do i not know this and, and the purgle go fly against the ships just how like the mood yes. oh it was so cool to see like the ship looking out and there's all these whales space whales coming at you it was incredible. yeah the i also liked seeing their tentacles charge oh, up that was amazing um yeah it looked different than in the animation one and obviously as it should but it was it was really cool to see the sort of like chevron stripes going up their tentacles mm-hmm. and i want to know like why was that one whale so much bigger than the others yeah, I loved that whale. Because it was like, I'm like, you're the only one that's that massive. There's not any ones that are even close to you, which does make me wonder about if anyone has written any books about Star Wars beasts, because I'd like to know more about the yeah, Purgle. definitely. I would love to learn more about the Purgle. Yeah. yeah. And that's the end of the episode. So what do you what think is going to happen next episode? We're going to see Sabine. And she's gonna, I hope, make some smart choices. Yeah, we're gonna be on. I think we're gonna be on the ship, traveling with her and Mm Balin Skull and Morgan Mm -hmm. and all them. I don't know if she's gonna make choices that you think are smart. I'm, I'm still gonna look for how she's gonna annoy you. It'll probably be something to carry (laughs) the story forward. So yeah, it has to be because we're now at episode six, so we have three episodes remaining. That's it. Three more of these puppies. Only three more, and. I don't know if we're going to see Thrawn this episode or the second to last episode. At the end of the second to last. And then we'll see him in the very last. Yeah. And I think that when Hera, Hera will of course not have, I don't think that she'll have her command relieved because the people who went there to retrieve them saw the space whales firsthand and are going to be able to back her up. Um, I think that's all we're going to see. Well, I look forward to seeing you next week and talking about episode six. Wow. <laughs> Counting is hard. Um, next week I'll be gone. Yeah. Maybe for a couple uh, days. Oh, that's right. Um, that's right. I forgot. Amanda is doing this really cool thing with the Heart and Armor Foundation, mm-hmm. which Amanda, tell us about the Heart and Armor Foundation. Uh, Heart and Armor is John Mayer's nonprofit for uh, veterans. It's for veterans research for women veterans, veterans of color, uh, studies PTSD, studies uh, into, uh, fertility. Uh, just It studies veterans' health and veterans that you don't normally think of. You know, I think a lot of Americans could – I don't want to get on that tangent, but yeah. So I have an event in L.A. <laughs> He's doing a concert um, Tuesday at the Will Turn to uh, benefit Heart and Armor. So I get to be there because I'm affiliated with the nonprofit. Congratulations. I'm excited to hear about that next episode. Um, yes, but we'll figure out a date and time yeah. to record mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that our fans can yeah. hear. Tell you how it went. Yes. All right, my dear. Well, have a good rest it's of your day friend. and may the, may force, the force be with be. you. 
Thank you for joining me today on the Women of Star Wars podcast. I hope that you enjoyed your time here. I certainly enjoyed having you. Be sure to give us a follow on Instagram at Women of Star Wars Podcast. Like, comment, and subscribe to our podcast available on Spotify. New episodes drop each Friday. Want to share your Star Wars story? Send your Star Wars story to Women of Star Wars Podcast at gmail.com with the subject line Star Wars Story. Share a favorite Star Wars memory or experience or your favorite female character. Again, that's Women of Star Wars Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for your time. Until next week, my name is Sarah Sindula, and may the Force be with you.